This podcast is brought to you by Aetna. Learn how Aetna is working to build a healthier world by visiting aetnastory.com. Hi, it's Doro, and I'm so excited to announce that the Achieving Optimal Health Conference is just around the corner on October 26th at Georgetown University. For our Health Gig listeners, we have a special offer. If you sign up by September 20th, you'll get $50 off your ticket. Just go to AchievingOptimalHealthConference.com and use the code HEALTHGIG. Get ready to create a happier and healthier life story. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Trisha and I are so happy today to be with our friend, Terry Hatcher. Terry is a friend of our families from Maine, and she's actually been in Maine a lot, and that's where we see her. And it's wonderful to have you with us, Terry, today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about all things health. <laughs> well, we're, we were excited to know that you've launched a YouTube channel called Hatching Change, and you've got two really interesting shows on there now. One is Don't Eat It Out of the Box, and the other is Van Therapy. So we thought we would start with that. And tell us what inspired you to do these YouTube channel shows. Well, YouTube is a really fascinating place, and I think... The thing that makes it most exciting is that the immediacy of it. You know, in Hollywood, I think you go through a lot of development periods. You might have great ideas. Sometimes things follow through to some end, and sometimes they just trickle away, and you don't really know what happened. And YouTube ended up being a place where I felt like I have these ideas that I'm passionate about, and I can just put this information out there. And so that's what I've done. And I think that the play on my name, Hatching Change, is I really wanted to create a channel where I could help inspire positive change in different aspects of people's lives. And the first two that I've headed at with those two shows are eating, and I think specifically trying to get people to not eat processed food, the stuff that typically comes in a box, or just to understand the hidden sugars and what might be in processed food and what might be a better choice and to try to do it in a in an economical and an accessible way like i'm not trying to be the best chef on the planet or you know offer you the most complicated thing but like really good healthy food that all people can make instead of eating processed food so that's the the one thing and then the other area was this van therapy show which i have had this vintage 78 VW bus camper for many, many, many years that I've been camping with my daughter as she grew up and traveling around the state of California in. And people often find this car to be so cool. Like I'll be driving down the freeway and people wave at me and give me the thumbs up. And this last year in our society, I think specifically, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like it's just been such an anxious, time. I think we felt very out of control. I think it's been very divisive in how people treat each other. And I just wanted to create a space where people could talk and talk about anything, talk to me, 
maybe we would find resolutions, maybe we wouldn't, but it would be just a safe place to express yourself. And so I've been meeting all kinds of different people and talking about different subjects, and it's sort of been exactly what I thought it would be. Like, I always feel like people are not as far apart as we think that maybe we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping to, to inspire change in your healthy eating habits and also in the way we think about people, especially people who are different than us. Yeah, that's so, that's so cool that you're doing it. And is it true that the van goes 40 miles per hour? That's the fastest it can go. (laughs) (laughs) On the the freeway, if you're going flat, if you're going flat on the freeway, you can get it up to 60. And, um, you know, you can be, I I pretty much always drive in the slow lane um, because I don't want to get in anyone's way. But when you're, when you're traveling around, you know, like when we go camping, often you're driving up into the mountains. So as soon as you're going up really any kind of hill, it quickly goes down to 40, 35, sort of being <laughs> its, its max top speed. And believe me, I've had the engine rebuilt. I've addressed, uh, it, the car's in very good shape. I've had a lot of that maintenance work done, but there just doesn't seem to be a way to give that particular car any sort of more engine power <laughs> than what I have. But, you know, it's really been this metaphor since since the beginning of when I had it, which is over 15 years now, I think. I realized that, you know, when you're on a one-lane hilly highway road and the cars start to stack up behind you and you can see them in your rearview mirror and the sweat is starting to pour down <laughs> your forehead because you know they're all angry because they can't go around you because you're on a one-lane road and you can't pull over because there's nowhere to pull over. Right. And that stress of like, oh my God, I wish I was able to do something I'm not able to do right now. And then it it sort of forces you to come over this feeling that's just like, I'm doing the best I can. Like, this is all I'm capable of right now. You know, eventually I will pull over and let these people pass when it's safe. Or, you know, eventually we'll be going downhill and the car will be able to go at a more normal speed. But like right this second, I'm doing the best I can. And I just felt like... We need to be saying that to ourselves more often because I think we're all so hard on ourselves and there are so many times when things are out of our control and things are going wrong and we can't do things the way maybe we imagined that we would be able to do them. And to be able to just have this voice that says, okay, this is okay. I'm doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. This is going to change. It's not always going to be like this. And to sort of accept that is just a really peaceful place. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's talk about the van therapy. How do you get people in the van? That's what I wanted to know. That's what I wanted to know. Because on the the show, you stand outside the van and then they come over and you're like, come on in. (laughs) I've had had some friends of mine go, it's really good you're not a guy with a mustache. Because it might not be as successful if that's what was happening. Right. You know, it's a tiny bit produced in that it's a very small crew. I mean, it, it's a it's me, it's a couple camera operators, a sound guy, and then I have a friend who acts as sort of a producer in that she we will usually park somewhere where there's a community of people, maybe outside a, a farmer's market or 
in the neighborhood of some sort of cool walking district of people. And she'll just sort of go around and say, my friend Terry Hatcher is doing the show. Do you have any issues you would like to talk about or whatever? And so she just brings people over. And and I meet them fairly blind. I don't know who they are or what they want to talk about. Nobody tells me anything before. So basically, they walk up and what you see is, is what is what happens. I did notice after doing it a little while, you know, people get in the van and sometimes people are shy to talk about their problems. So I came up with this gimmick of this sort of like a twister wheel. Yeah, the wheel. Thinner thing. Yeah. And I wrote different, you know, every episode I sort of changed, but a, a lot of common relationships, politics, religion, sex, health, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the main categories. And it is so interesting how people release their um, inhibitions when you're playing a game. Like you right. say, would you like to play the game? And they're like, oh, I'd love to play a game. And so then they spin the wheel and I set this timer and then they just tell me everything. Yeah, it's it- really... It's so interesting. And I don't know what 007 is. So what is 007? (laughs) Nobody knows what 007 is because we haven't landed on it yet. Um, But no, I'll tell you. I mean, 007, you know, obviously is a play on one of my career moments of being a Bond girl. And I sort of thought that it would be a thing that would be about fantasy. Like everyone Mm. sort of fantasizes about being James Bond or being in a James Bond. Movie and how cool that is to be drinking the martinis and being a spy right, okay. and you know his very glamorous life. So it sort of led me to thinking: if you landed on it, I would ask you, "What do you fantasize about?" Got and it. you know, okay. you could you could answer me in a sexual way, which right. would be interesting, or you could answer me in a you know, I would like to win the lottery, and here's what right. I would do with all the money. You know, right. you could say that, right. but nobody's landed on it yet. No, okay. okay. <laughs> But we were thinking how fun, I don't know if you want to do it, Terry, but if you have the wheel or a thought and we could just give you a subject and could you talk for one minute like you do on the van? Sure. Pretend we're in the van. Not the three minutes because, but we're thinking one minute. Would okay. that be fun? Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you're in charge of the, you have the thing. So you, you're the one. Oh, oh, I'm not, I don't have, I don't have the wheel in front of me. Oh, okay. So uh, we'll pick a subject. What subject should we talk about? You guys pick. Health. 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 That's good. So one minute with Terry and then one minute with you and one minute with me. Okay. Okay. Go, Terry. (laughs) Okay. So, well, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about health is exercise. And I think that's because, especially going through menopause, the age that I'm at, I'm at 53, I have found it to be the single most powerful tool in helping me live a happy, healthy daily life. And even though, and I'm like talking really fast, I don't leave a minute. Um, even though I really never want to work out, like I wish I had that gene where I was just excited one day in my whole life to actually go work out. I really never want to do it, but I am able with my habit of doing it over and over to push myself to get to the gym or do go outside and do the run or the hike. And Every time I do it, once I'm five minutes into it, I am really strong and feeling really great. And then okay. after I'm <laughs> That's it. finished, it's amazing. So I'm telling everyone to exercise. Okay, that, that was my minute. Okay. Okay, that was excellent. Now here's my minute. 
<laughs> so I agree with everything Terry said. I have to exercise, but I now know that it, I'm 58 years old, that it's really important for my mind to exercise, but for my body, it's really important to eat well because I know that the exercise makes my mind feel good, but it doesn't make me skinny. Not that I want to be skinny, but I want to be feel good in my body. I want to feel healthy. And then the third part of what makes me when I think of health is the my spirit part. And so I need to take time for myself to pause throughout the day to be mindful and to take a walk in nature and to be quiet or to sit quietly because that also nurtures me and makes me feel healthy. And la, 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 la. <laughs> that's about it. You stayed right in a minute. That's pretty good. Okay. I'll do mine then. So I echo you guys in terms of exercise. I think it's really important. And without exercise, I think I would feel terrible. And I think I've read and I have experienced that exercise really, if it was a pill, you would want to take that pill every day because it does have all the effects on your body that you would want for health. I mean, so anti-aging, it gives you clarity, all that. Your body feels stronger. The other thing I would talk about when I talk about health is hydration the importance of drinking water because so many of us walk around life without without feeling good and oftentimes we don't know why so we'll take an advil and it's probably because we're dehydrated so drink your water okay you're okay. done um, well i think we did very well I you know that's um, good <laughs> doro i'm i'm totally with you on the mindful thing mm. i mean if i had more minutes i would have included that i really think meditation in, you know, some people are sort of intimidated by that word and there's, there's all sorts of levels of meditation practice, but I think even just two minutes or, you know, just taking, like you said, time to walk in nature or be quiet, it's so beneficial. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's because our thoughts also really dictate the quality of our life and you can get a hold of your thoughts in a, in a really powerful way with meditation. I think, you know, I would have added to that too. If I had had another minute, I would have said, if I had another minute, yeah, like if we had our three minutes that we should have had, I would have said the same thing and talked a little bit about how that phrase change the way you look at things, things you look at change. And therein lies the miracle and the idea that we really can, change our lives by changing the way we look at things. I don't know. It's, it's just it's very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are good. So is that what van therapy is like? <laughs> yeah, so what do you do after that? That felt good. Yeah. And we, we but you weren't in the van. I know. So, it's so fun to be in the van. It's really when, you know, one of these days I'm going to drive the van out to Maine. And, uh, oh, yes. And I then can. I'll have to take you for a ride. I would love that. And I can kind of relate to the van because when I was first married, my husband had the same van, a VW van, and it was the color of American cheese. And he called it the cheeseburger. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So just a little fun fact. <laughs> what did you guys you know, drive there, around in it? I'm <laughs> telling you that, that that particular car makes people so happy. Mine is, her name is Penelope. My daughter named her Penelope many, many, many years ago. And she also is called the Scooby-Doo van because she has, when my daughter was like six, I went to Target and I got some Scooby-Doo curtains that I then like hand sewed. I cut them and hand sewed 
to make them the size that they needed to be for the windows in the car. And then, (laughs) you know, ever since then, it's had Scooby-Doo curtains. So it's also the Scooby-Doo van. Not that we ever even watch Scooby-Doo. So I don't know why. Why that came up. But you're right. It does. It did look like Scooby-Doo. You're right from the Mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. But what's so great is that you're combining Dervan therapy with as you were talking about the food and Mm -hmm. your passion for food and the passion of, of making it accessible and easy. Can you talk about that and then share with us some easy recipes? We actually have made a couple of them from your, Uh (laughs) we have, we love, we love the broccoli French fries. Yes. Oh, that is, that was really a fun episode. Uh, uh, My girlfriend came to me and, and said that her toddler wouldn't eat broccoli. And so I really did have this challenge and I was thinking, okay, what can I do with broccoli to make this kid who happens to be the most adorable kid ever eat it? And so I came up with these, uh, a few different things and I was actually, it wasn't like I got that out of a book or anything. And I was actually surprised at how good it came out and the fact that he ate it all. It was, uh, it was really fun. But, you know, the, the sort of germ of the idea of the show, I don't know if you guys ever saw the documentary Fed Up. Yes. Um, okay, so I was watching that years ago. Um, I was home by myself, and I was sitting on the couch, and there was a scene where one of the teenagers who was dealing with obesity was making his breakfast in the morning and making his lunch for school, and he was talking to the camera, And he was expressing his frustration about why he hasn't lost more weight. And you could see that he was actively trying. But at the same time, he was having a big glass of orange juice and he was pouring cereal out of a box and he was making like a a peanut butter sandwich on white bread. And I just screamed at the television in my own living room, just don't eat shit out of a box. And, (laughs) And that's when I had the idea which then took me years to sort of execute into this YouTube show. But I thought it was a really valuable place to start because so many of us do eat processed foods. And also the advertising of them is really tricky and really misleading. You know, they'll, they'll tell you that it's, it's a smart start or it's a healthy bar or it's, you know, half the fat. And all these advertisement kind of things that are misleading. And so I thought that would be a really good place to start. And that's where I'm coming at it is trying to get you to understand the hidden sugars in food and, and what you might be able to make in an easy way that would taste really good. It's so true because the food marketers are, you know, they just trick people. They try mm-hmm. to trick people and people still are falling for it. Well, it's- yeah. And, and the truth is like, I'm not actually, you know, when I, when I came up with people were saying to me, oh, you can't do that show. You're going to be slamming brands and nobody's ever going to want to advertise with you and you're never going to make any money. And I said, well, okay, well, first of all, that's not my goal to make money anyway. But secondly, I'm not really slamming brands. I mean, yes, I don't personally eat a lot of stuff that comes in a box, but it wasn't really my point to say, don't ever, ever eat it. You know, it was my point to say, don't mislead yourself and think that this is a valuable food that you should be eating on a regular basis. That's really what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, it's not that there's no room for a cookie or there's right. no room to ever have, you know, late night cereal or something. And people have these treats that they have for themselves and it's okay, but don't do it thinking it's the way to have a healthy body and lose weight and be energized and be nutrified. What's great about, about what you're doing is you're helping to educate people. And I think what we find is that the more people become educated on how to take better care of themselves is they're motivated then to learn and to learn mm-hmm. how to cook for yourself. And the idea of personal responsibility takes on a whole new definition. You know? And that was another reason why most of the recipes I'm doing on the show are not, you know, I can make, I'm capable of making some pretty incredible food. I went to cooking school and mm-hmm. I've cooked all my life, but I didn't want to scare people. You know, I think you can make really tasty, healthy food that isn't that complicated. And it's funny, I have some friends in my life who literally cook nothing. (laughs) So they're, you know, thinking of them as my test case. How do you just trying to get somebody to, you know, how do you saute broccoli? How do you bake a potato? How do you cook a piece of chicken? I mean, to someone who cooks, that seems like you've got to be kidding me. But (laughs) to someone who doesn't cook, you're really empowering them. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And motivating them. What are some of your easy recipes if you could just rattle off like two or three (laughs) or things to put together? We saw your video, the broccoli one. We love that one. Yeah. Um, Uh And your rice cake one with the spinach and the sardines and the mustard. Oh, yeah. That's so easy. If you like sardines. If you like sardines. Right. But do you like sardines? You said that like you don't like sardines. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And and you've tried them, I'm assuming. Um, I avoid them like the plague. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, well. All right. Well, should I try them? I'm not going to fight with you about sardines on on your podcast, (laughs) but that's a good example of, you know, you walk in the house, you're starving and because you've had a long day and you, and food has not been able to fit into it, which often happens, I think, to people, especially moms, and you make bad choices. You make bad choices in that kind of place. And Mm -hmm. so I was trying to offer the idea of a better choice. You know, you could replace if you kept in your house any kind of other, a can of tuna, or if you had a leftover chicken breast in your refrigerator, you could do that sort of rice cake, spinach, and then some sort of protein. Honestly, you could even fry a scrambled egg really quick and put that on top of it. Mm -hmm. But I think that when you get something you can hold in your hand, people seem to respond to, I think it's why people are drawn to fast food. They can just grab it with their hands Mm -hmm. and eat it and shove Mm -hmm. it in their mouth. So it has that same feeling to it. And it also has the crunch. And I think that's satisfying. And that's why it really is a great Mm go-to snack for me. I also feel like the, I don't know if you guys saw the radish one. No. Um, But that is actually not even really a recipe. It's just talking about how to slice a radish, which oh, I, I really did see oh, that. Yeah. And you sprinkled, yeah. you sprinkled salt on top. Yeah. You put a little olive oil and, and you sprinkled use some the salt mandolin. on it. And I use the mandolin, which is really one of my favorite tools. And it really emulates a potato chip. You get the same Ooh, sort of satisfying. Ooh, I'm, I'm just, 
yeah, I'm just putting something in my mouth and it's kind of crunchy and spicy and a little salty and it just, it, and then you just say you haven't eaten a potato chip. You haven't eaten a bag of potato chips that are deep fried potatoes. So things like that, I think are actually really valuable and easy. I um, loved your left Doritos one. Oh, that was a fun one. That was a, that was a fun one. And I like the idea of using any kind of lettuce, bib lettuce or romaine lettuce as a taco shell instead of a taco shell. I think that's something that's valuable for people. But yeah, that I think the most successful recipe, which is actually a recipe that I loved, was the one that I did with my daughter Emerson, which was actually her teaching me to do this red sauce that actually has anchovies in it. But they disappear, Doro. So you can eat them. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> they sort of like mush into the whole thing and you don't even really know that they're there. They're just sort of added protein. And that was delicious. So I would really recommend that people check that out. Okay. Mm, that sounds really good. So are you still doing acting in, on the side? Or are you not? No, no, I am. I, you know... I'm at a point where I want to be a part of telling stories that I want to be a part of telling. And I think it's, you know, it's difficult for women over 50. There's definitely less parts available. I am more passionate about staying in the comedic genre because that makes me happy. That's where I'm happiest. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely, I'm developing a show right now with a writer in England. And if that works out, I would be shooting that show in London and that would be amazing. So I'm just kind of putting that out there to the universe. I would love that to happen. But, you know, development, like going along and having an idea and writing a script and selling it and all that, it, it takes a while. So I'm working on that. I'm also working on writing a one-woman show, and if I ever get that finished, maybe I'll perform that somewhere over there in Maine. Good. <laughs> a Vinegar Hill, please. That would be yes, great. Yeah, exactly. Vinegar Hill. I'll make you come see it. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm definitely writing. I'm definitely acting. I'm just if fortunate enough to be able to be choosy about what I feel like is the right thing for me to get involved in. But mm. I, I don't feel done acting in any way. But mm. I do feel lucky to be able to have sort of fill my time with traveling or other sort of creative outlets that aren't necessarily having to go be on a television show every day. You know, it, when we were looking at all your accomplishments, Terry, you mm. know, we when we saw that you were on MacGyver, I'm like, oh my God, that's right. When you think back, can you kind of walk us through what you were on and, you know, which ones kind of stood out? Wow. Well, that's the culmination of decades, which is <laughs> crazy. And, and I guess, you know, I guess that's something to be proud of, like being in a business for 30 years, which really is, I think my first job was in 1985. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit over 30 years, which is insane. Yeah, so I started on the Love Boat. I went to MacGyver. I did a couple of like small six episode series that nobody really ever saw. <laughs> My first movie ever was The Big Picture with um, that Christopher Guest directed with Kevin Bacon, and mm -hmm. it still remains one of my favorites. And bunch of other movies. And then of course, Lois and Clark and, and of course, Desperate Housewives. And, right. yeah. you know, I think 
I think when you look back at a whole career and even the little parts or the movies that, you know, people didn't see or weren't good, I think everything, every experience leads you to where you are in the present and every Mm -hmm. experience offers you something to learn from and learn about yourself. And so, you know, I don't have like regrets and I don't spend a lot of time kind of rehashing what I've done. I'm more in a mindful place of looking forward and what I want to do. And mm-hmm. yeah. It's wonderful that you've had this amazing career and now you can use that platform to do good in the world and to help people eat better and to help people think about issues in their lives. So I hope so. I mean, I think, you know, my daughter is now off in college, so I'm a bit of an empty nester. And I think, you know, you spend 18 years as a mom, at least I did, beyond working. I was just very, very focused on trying to be the best mom and trying to create a spirit and a household and a community that my daughter could thrive in, which I think she did. I mean, you've met her and Mm -hmm. and I'm super proud of of who she is. You should be. But when that's done with, and it's not, you know, you're never done being a mother, of course, but it isn't quite the same daily intensity. And I think if you've done your job well, you know, you want your child to go off and thrive. Like I'm not trying to be some helicopter mom. Like I'm here for her if she needs me. We actually spoke this morning before I was speaking to you now, but it frees up time for the first time in almost 20 years to pay attention to what do I care about? What mm-hmm. what can I do with this newfound energy and time that I have? And it was so clear to me that I want, even if it's the littlest way, if it's one person, I want to try to be a helpful energy to mm-hmm. people. And it's really fun, actually. I mean, I love meeting all these people. And I don't always have the answers. I mean, it's kind of a lot of pressure, you know, because I'm not a therapist, nor do I play one on TV. (laughs) But I think, you know, I think as a mom and an intuitive person, I have done a lot of searching and thinking, and I've met a lot of incredible people that I can pass on ideas that I've come across. But it's just really great to be connecting with people, to make them feel heard and seen and not Mm -hmm. alone. I think sometimes that's enough. You can't solve a problem, but just to go like, I see you, you're, you're not here by yourself. Right. And, and and that actually is enough to make somebody feel good. Mm -hmm. So true. So at the end of our podcast, which sadly we've come to that point, um, (laughs) we ask everyone the same questions. So if it's okay, we would like to ask you, these questions and we begin with the question what book do you think everyone should read okay i feel it's a little bit of a toss-up for me between victor frankel's man's search for meaning Mm -hmm. and joan didion's the year of magical thinking Mm -hmm. um but both of them i think the takeaway for both of them is that they offered me the idea that 
you have the choice of how you react to something, that things are going to happen, like life is going to happen, and you have the choice about how to react to it. And that both of those books made me feel really grateful to be alive, and they made me feel very empowered to try to make my life the best life I can make it. And part of that for me personally is what do I want to do with my life? And that is trying to help people. And so being really clear on that makes me understand, you know, what the meaning in my life is and what I'm trying to accomplish every day. So I think both both of those books in some way helped sort of foster and like build up a part in me that feels like I can live a better life mm. for having read those books. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what quote brings you strength and peace? I don't have a quote. Like, I feel like that to me, I'm like that person when you say, what's your favorite, this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, It's so hard for me to pick a favorite. And so I feel like quotes are difficult for me too. I, I would say that, Anything Pema Chodron says, um, mm. which is she's a, a we Buddhist. love her. Yeah. Okay. So anything she says, I feel like is very powerful. I happen to love Ralph Waldo Emerson. I think there's a lot of quotes in in his stuff. But in general, I feel like the kind of ideas that support that you have the choice to make your life what you want it to be. You know, mm-hmm. that that sort of arena of, of things makes me feel you know what and another thing is also that like maybe it's just like this too shall pass. That quote, and I don't know who said it, sort of imp- implies a negative thing, like a sad thing. You know, this too shall pass. Like something mm-hmm. bad happens and that but I sort of think of it as Everything passes. And in knowing that, even the joy passes. You know, be these really elated, joyful times. But you know that's not always going to be that way. And if you really accept that, it's less disappointing and you're less frustrated, like hanging on to, oh, I only want to be happy and I can't be sad. Right. Like you sort of like move through it in a more even way. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, maybe that quote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How you look at the world. And yeah. then what would you say to your 30 year old self? Oh, I would say that you should be easier on yourself, that you're too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. I would say to try to slow down and be a little bit more mindful of the present and really enjoy it because it flies by and then you don't even know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So try to be a little, a little more mindful of the present and not so busy minded about all the problems and what's going to happen in the future. Like try to be more where you actually are. Mm -hmm. And what's your favorite meal? There's that favorite question. Okay. So I love food, by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I do do is I travel around the world going to all those lists of like the 50 best restaurants in the world. You know, that's one of my favorite things to do. And I have had amazing meals at places like 11 Madison Park in New York or the French Laundry in Napa Valley. But one really favorite thing that I actually cook that I make for people and I love, love, love this dish. And it's actually, I've given it a name. It's called the 
I must love you a lot, eggplant casserole. (laughs) And the reason it's called that is because it takes me about six hours to make it. And it's because I make the tomato sauce from scratch and that takes about three hours. I roast the tomatoes and then I put all the stuff in it, caramelize the onions, and then I simmer down this tomato sauce for like two or three hours. And then I salt the eggplant, which has to, like, for an hour to pull out all the moisture. And then I grill all the eggplant individually. And then I build this seven-layer casserole in a cast iron skillet. And then I bake it. So it is, I mean, it is an arduous dish to make. But it is so delicious. And people just flip out over it. It is so healthy. It's so good. Yeah. And, and I also love making it for people because it takes so much work and so much energy that I just know that I'm putting all my love in my food. So I think Aww. that's my favorite meal. That's so sweet. That wow. really that's is. good. <laughs> and then lastly, if you could sit next to anyone at dinner tonight, who would that be? That's another hard question. I know. And speaking of sitting next to somebody at dinner, you know, the whole reason we ever met is because I sat next to your father (laughs) at the opening of a hotel in Las Vegas like a million years ago. (laughs) I know. and that at that table, by the way, were Steven Spielberg and Barbara Walters and your father. And I mean, it was a crazy table. I don't know how I got so lucky to sit there. Anyways, that was a pretty good person to sit next to. But I'm going to go with Martha Stewart mm. because Martha Stewart to me seems like she just knows about everything. <laughs> I mean, she has lived such an incredible successful, but also just dramatic life. So between what she knows about food and what she knows about business and what she knows about being a woman, what she knows about failure, what she knows about humility, Mm -hmm. I imagine that she would be an incredible person to get Mm -hmm. to sit next to. Uh, That's my fantasy. Yes. Maybe it's good if I never sit next to her because if, <laughs> if I do, you don't want to maybe be... I, I don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> right. that, that, that would be um, that would be who I would go with. Well, I think my dad would probably say the person he would love to sit next to again would be you. <laughs> he loves you so much. And, um, you have a wonderful family. I feel very uh, lucky to have gotten to know you guys. Aww. Well, Terry, thank you yes, for being on you. Health Gig today. We've loved well, having you and we love well, what you're doing. Oh, it was my pleasure. And thank you so much. And good luck with it. And I'm a big fan of however people can get healthy. I hope they do it. We'll Thank see you. you up in Maine. Okay. Thanks, Bye-bye. Terry. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>